They're one of the youngest groups of pass catchers in modern football history. So how is the Packers passing game going to actually shake out? How are the targets going to be distributed? And are the Packers actually going to pass any less this season? Plus, how the Packers can fully maximize and even weaponize Jair Alexander this season. All that on today's show. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. I am so fascinated to see how this passing game shakes out, to see who leads the team in targets, how these players are deployed, what changes schematically this team is going to make. And this all started with a prompt actually from the Senior Bowl on Twitter about what Jaden Reed's stats could be. And I went back and started looking at the numbers from last year. And the conclusion that I came to, the projection that I came to was like 40 catches for 520 yards and three touchdowns. It was based on Randall Cobb plus health targets and then Alan Lazard's yards per catch. And then you just sort of, I picked three touchdowns because that's what Romeo Dobbs had last year. But when you look at what the Packers have versus what they lost, they lost 100 targets to Alan Lazard. They lost 67 targets to Big Bob Tunyon. 50 targets to Randall Cobb. 22 targets to Sammy Watkins. 7 targets to Mercedes Lewis. And 8 targets to Amari Rogers. Yes, Amari Rogers had more targets last season than Mercedes Lewis. That tells you a lot. <laughs> but that's almost 50% of your targets walking out the door. And that is in a year where you already had Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs getting a decent amount of targets. Dobbs was tied for second among pass catchers in targets. Aaron Jones was actually second overall at 67. Christian Watson was right behind him at 66. So that means Cobb Watkins, Big Dog, Amar Rogers, those guys who still combined for what, 90 targets or something like that? They're all lower on the pecking order, but let's say you just take 100 targets, split them up, and give them to Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Okay, you still have another 150 targets to distribute. Where are those targets going to go? What is a reasonable number for Luke Musgrave? That's a really difficult question to answer. How many more targets can you give your running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, were already a pretty big part of this offense in the passing game. And we have good evidence that throwing to your running backs generally, although it is 
you know, we, we can't do this devoid of context, but generally EPA per attempt says, throw it to your receivers or your tight ends when you can, because they're going to generate more usage and more production because generally you're throwing the ball down the field to your receivers and tight ends. Whereas with your running backs, it swings, it screens, it's dump offs, it is check downs. And so if you're getting the ball two yards down the field, chances are you're not going to do much with it. Whereas if a receiver, you're getting the ball 10 yards down the field, even if you're a 60 or 70% catch rate guy, your odds are better of, of producing something meaningful for the offense. I don't want Aaron Jones getting a bunch more targets. I'd like to, to shift some of the targets for sure. I don't need AJ Dillon getting a bunch more targets. I just don't. And this is how, when I go back to the Christian Watson of it all, I went back and, and looked at some of the numbers and I stumbled into this stat. Christian Watson had a target for every four, roughly four, a little, little more than four pass snaps he played last year, a target every four pass snaps. If he stays healthy, plays 17 games. We're talking about 600 plus pass snaps. Some of the best guys played 700 plus. Well, if he maintains that rate, we're talking about 150 targets. That's a lot of targets. Only 11 receivers got 150 or more targets last year. And if he maintains the efficiency of what he had last year, we're talking about a guy who's going to put together a you know 1,200 yard season on 80, 90 catches or more. I understand this argument that, oh, Romeo Dobbs is the route runner. He's the reliable guy. He's the guy on third and six who can get open. And Christian Watson is the vertical guy. He's the big play guy. I, I get that to a point. How many offenses is the best, most talented player? Not the focal point of the offense. How many offenses is it the case where your best receiver is not getting the most targets? It's just not really done. And so I don't mean to throw water on the Romeo Dobbs hype. In fact, I was on record like three months ago saying that the X factor of this team is Romeo Dobbs, not because I think he's going to get 150 targets and lead this team in targets and lead this team in receptions or anything like that. I actually don't think that's going to happen. And I see that a lot out there. It could happen. I think it's re a reasonable couch on Christian Watson staying healthy, but, but Romeo Dobbs had injury issues last year as well. The reality is the best players tend to get the most targets, the most touches. And I, I, I can't stress enough that despite the spectacular training camp that Romeo Dobbs put together by all accounts and Christian Watson missed most of training camp, the very first play of the season was a deep shot to Christian Watson. And once Watson got hurt and then got healthy, he was immediately playing over Romeo Dobbs and immediately became the focal point of the offense. And then Romeo Dobbs got back and got healthy and it was still the Christian Watson show. The Packers believe in the talent of Christian Watson. And so, yes, it's nice that Jordan Love is hitting Romeo Dobbs in the red zone in these high leverage situations. It would be great if Romeo Dobbs was that sort of 
like I'm, I'm trying to think of a good comp. Like remember James Jones in like 2011 in that range, 2010, maybe where he, he had like 40 catches for 40, but like eight touchdowns. I think you could see that kind of thing with Romeo Dobbs that in those high leverage moments, that's the guy you're going to go to. It's, it's somewhat similar, I suppose, to the Vikings when they had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Like it, it got to a point where everyone understood, okay, Stephon Diggs is the best receiver on this team, but on third and eight, they're trying to get the ball to Adam Thielen. In the red zone, they're trying to get the ball to Adam Thielen. Now, I don't want to suggest that Christian Watson is Stephon Diggs or that Romeo Dobbs is Adam Thielen, but I'm just trying to figure out, is there an offense where the best guy, the most talented guy, and I think at this point, it's obvious, Christian Watson is the best, most talented of those two receivers, isn't the number one guy. It seems obvious to me. Now, then that raises interesting questions because who's third? Is it Samori Toure? Is it Jaden Reed? If Jaden Reed is your slot and is playing a bunch, 50, 60 targets, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. If, if Luke Musgrave is your tight end one and he is the tight end one, like from the jump in camp, he's tight end one. Josiah DeGuara is an H-back. He's something else. He will play some tight end. He's something else. Luke Musgrave is tight end one. So if he's playing 80% of snaps, then he's going to get targets. I don't know how many, but like 50 or 60 targets doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. And that brings us all the way back to this question about passing. I had some people on Twitter push back on this. Well, you're not really losing all those targets because they're not going to throw it as much this year. You sure? You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that? Aaron Rodgers, yes, he was 10th in passing attempts last year in the league. He attempted the fewest number of passes of any quarterback who started 17 games. And the guy who was ninth, Geno Smith, attempted 30 more. That's like a full game's worth more attempts than Aaron Rodgers had. So I don't think it's crazy that if Jordan Love plays 17 games, that he would attempt as many passes as Aaron Rodgers did last year. Now, the case is, let's say they actually win some of these games. Let's say they're winning in the fourth quarters of these games. Maybe you run more. You don't have to pass to catch up. But that's the other thing is if you don't, if you don't think they're going to win a bunch of games, they have to be passing in the fourth quarter to try and win. So I think they're going to throw at least just as much, maybe more. And I think there's going to be a lot of targets out there. I think we're going to see some guys really surprised with the amount of targets that they get right away in this offense. The question is going to be about what they can actually do with those targets. All right, I want to talk about Jair Alexander. And we're going to do that in just a second before we come back here on Locked on Packers. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So, with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. 
When on the clock with the first overall pick in the 2023 draft, it's okay to get downright giddy about doing the gritty. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. That means picking Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson is a guaranteed fit. Over the past two seasons, Jefferson led the league in both receptions and receiving yards. He will remain a dominant number one target monster. Jefferson is a guaranteed fit to ignite your fantasy football lineup for winning success. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. And that's something that I would need because I I wouldn't know. So go forth. Switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because now, you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Not the blue check, that's Twitter. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and some exclusions do apply. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, we've got a summer Friday with Match Quarters founder Cody Alexander um, and, and a conversation I'm really excited to have about this Packers defense. And speaking of this Packers defense, I was thinking about some of the ways that the Packers defense could find some evolution. And some of the ways I think are are not entirely obvious. We talked about the inability to stop giving up long runs yesterday on the show. Everydayers um, will we'll remember that one. I went back and I looked at the Jair Alexander per game pro football focus starting. And I wanted to see how he did against the best players that he faced because my recollection was his worst plays were against scrubs. It was like getting beat deep in against Tennessee or getting beat deep by Nikhil freaking Harry against the Bears. So I went back and looked. In two games against Justin Jefferson, Jair Alexander, in coverage, direct coverage, allowed zero catches. Zero catches on one target with a pass breakup. That one target. Amon Ross St. Brown, who he played twice, zero catches on one target. Garrett Wilson, in a game that the Packers, yes, got their butts kicked, zero catches, four targets, three pass breakups. The only two guys to get him for anything, really, were Terry McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb, two of the best players in football, and both of them got four catches. Now, each scored, but four catches. AJ Brown, The goose egg, no catches on two targets. Devontae Smith, two catches for 23 yards. The combination of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell on Jair Alexander, indirect coverage, four catches for 53 yards, the pair of them. Stephon Diggs did not have a target or a catch against Jair Alexander in that Buffalo game. And I do think 
that some of this is an indictment of Joe Barry because he could have been used to shadow these guys more often than he was. He was asked in that second game, do you want to shadow Justin Jefferson? He said yes. But here's the thing. Outside of week one, getting beat by a team's number one receiver was not really the issue in Green Bay. They let Justin Jefferson loose in week one. They've had nightmare week ones, like seemingly every year in the Matt LaFleur era. But they didn't lose, they weren't losing games because Russell Douglas or Eric Stokes couldn't cover receivers. They weren't losing because they weren't letting Jerry Alexander travel. It was more about playing soft. And I'm talking about schematically, I'm not talking about necessarily like tackling or things like that, though that's part of this. Because it's not a coincidence that this team started playing better when they went to some of these more cover two looks, more squat corners, more pressing at the line of scrimmage that last month of the year. That's where Eric Stokes can succeed. That's where Russell Douglas can succeed. That's where Jair Alexander can concede, succeed. That is how Jair, like Vikings fans got real mad about that tweet that I put out about the, the stats because they were like, well, he had help in the Vikings game. And it's like, you are totally missing the point. You are totally missing the point because it wasn't just that Jair Alexander had safety help. It was that he was pressing Justin Jefferson constantly, even from the slot because he knew he had help. So the plan was be aggressive. You're playing cover two. Yes, you have a safety over the top, but you have to cover that that zone in your area. You're still, you're going to be physical at the line of scrimmage. They empowered Jair to be physical. And that mindset is different. So I'd like to see them play a little bit more two-man. If you're going to play too high, let's see some some two-man. Let's see more cover two, true cover two. Let's see more quarters where the mentality is you can play up. I I remember hearing from, from players in that Chicago year where Vic Fangio's defense just tore up the NFL, though not Aaron Rodgers in week one. They let Prince of Mukamara jam because that was what he wanted to do. That was what he was good at. They let Kyle Fuller play off on the other side because that's what he wanted to do and that's what he was good at. You can do both. That's sort of the beauty of this match quarters and quarters and cover six and all the things that you want to do there. It allows you some flexibility to play some different kinds of ways. There is a difference between saying, okay, umbrella defense, everything stays in front and, you know, no big plays. And saying you have to play off eight yards and bail every single passing down. It's just depressing to watch. The 49ers don't play that way. The Rams don't play that way. And I promise you the Dolphins will not play that way with actual Vic Fangio this season. So... I understand the approach. We talked about the approach yesterday. I think the approach is a good one, but you can you can embody this approach while also taking some of these lessons. Now, now the other thing here is Keyshawn Nixon is going to be the starting slot, or at least he's going to be given the opportunity to start. Don't don't be so worried about giving away coverage cues that you give away personnel advantages. Jair Alexander is your best cover corner. 
Yes, you are a team that's going to play a lot of zone coverage. Put Jair in the slot against Justin Jefferson. If they're going to put Justin Jefferson in the slot all day to get him away from Jair, you have to move him around, which they did in that Week 17 game. If you're going to play these teams where their best receivers are in the slot, the Lions, like one of the reasons why Jair Alexander doesn't have any catches allowed against Amon Ross St. Brown is they didn't go against each other. Now, maybe that was they, they didn't feel like he was going to kill them. And so they didn't feel like they had to match. And so you have these, this flexibility of being able to play him on the outside. And then it could be any coverage. But you can play Jair from the slot and have it be zone. It doesn't have to be man coverage. So the, their ability to use him in myriad ways, I think we saw it in, in the second half of the season. We saw some things that were more game plan specific. When you're struggling, you're more willing to try stuff. And I hope that where the Packers are right now is more willing to try stuff. And that means using Jair Alexander to the fullest extent of his potential. But that also means using Russell Douglas and Eric Stokes to the full extent of their potential too, which means this off eight yards and bailing coverage got to stop, at least for guys that are not comfortable doing that. Jair can do it because he can click and close with explosiveness. Russell Douglas can do it because he's so smart. He's so physical. He's so instinctive and has such good ball skills that he knows if he's at eight and this guy's not running by him, that he's not going to be losing ground. He's not going to just start pedaling for no reason. It's it's Eric Stokes who it's not really where he's comfortable. Okay, well, let him let him get up in someone's face and, and play press, even if it's zone. Richard Sherman, they played cover three a ton. He was still pressing guys. You can still be physical the line of scrimmage. The cover two defenses... I love the idea of playing more cover two because it allows you to be physical at the point with these receivers and you have at least three, if not more, corners who can live in that world. All right, we're going to finish up here with a quick tidbit that I picked up from a listener um, about some of the teams that Matt LaFleur is apparently studying. We'll get to that in a second here on Locked on Packers. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Everydayers, go check out what we're doing over at The Leap. Our countdown, our roster countdown continues. And we're now in the, these are real players who actually are going to have to play for the Packers this year. So get some insight on all of that from, from Jason Hershorn, America's guest. Um, and, and I, as we, as we go through those players, and once training camp hits, we can start ramping up that content um, go subscribe to that at theleap.football and go check out Locked On Sports today. Even in a barren wasteland of sports content right now, given the storylines, not a lot going on. We are giving you content every day, all the big stories in under 20 minutes. So Garrett uh, on Twitter brought this to my attention. I, I pointed out that Matt LaFleur in that play caller series said that he's following a couple teams, the Chiefs, the 49ers and the Dolphins. And a lot of people, you know, gave me a little grief about that. They were like, well, of course, he's following three of the best offenses in the league. And and yeah, yeah, two, I think, led the league in EPA per play last year. Patrick Mahomes right there. And, and Kyle Shanahan is able to get top 10 EPA per play out of like anyone, apparently. But when you look at some of the similarities, and I think per first down personnel is a great way to gauge because first down means I get to pick. Who do we want to be? And if you look at three receiver sets, the Packers and the Chiefs, the same last year, 50 and 
12 personnel, that two tight end sets, 37 and 32%. Now, the Chiefs like to go to, to two tight ends, about the same as the Packers like to go to two running backs. But you flip those numbers, you're, you're right there. Maybe the Packers go to th- some three tight end sets here, or maybe it's you know a different a different personnel altogether. When you put Josiah DeGuara on the field and two and two more tight ends, is that thirteen? Is it something else? Twenty two? I, I don't I don't know how to categorize it because we don't really know what position Josiah DeGuara should be considered. But that was interesting to me that their personnel grouping really was that similar. There, there aren't as many similarities between the Packers offense and some of these other offenses. I thought the, the Packers and the Fort and the, the Dolphins would have more similarities than they actually do. But then the other part of this is 32% of the targets for the Chiefs go to tight ends, just 17 for the Packers. That's pretty similar to what the 49ers do in terms of what the, the breakdown of what their receivers do. In fact, the 49ers and the Packers have almost the exact same target dispersal. About 60% go to receivers, a little less than 20% go to your tight ends, and another 20% go to your running backs. Well, what if you drafted two tight ends in the top 100 that you really want to use? Well, how about you look at a team that uses their tight ends 32% of the time? That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think it's more than just the Shanahan tree stuff, although that's certainly there. I don't think it's as simple as like the Chiefs are really good. I think it's that there's some similarities in the way that they want to play. I think Matt LaFleur is showing how adaptive he can be in this offense by saying, look, we're going to beg, borrow, and steal our way to a good offense. And that's fine. And we feel no shame in doing that. He's like, I don't, he, he is very much of the, I don't care whose idea it is as long as it's a good idea. And that I think comes from this Kyle Shanahan tree. All those guys seem to be like that. And that's a special kind of coach. So I'm 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 just fascinated to see what this offense looks like. Um, and we're gonna get some early glimpses here just coming up in just what two weeks. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, locked on Packers, like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that over on our YouTube page to stay locked on Packers. <laughs>